0: The series.
1: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand-new episode of 3&D. Sorry about that uh, quick little, um, what do you call it, my own problem we, re- we had there, but it's all right. It's all right. Uh, I'm Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. We have a jam-packed episode tonight as we'll go over the new names to enter the NBA draft, Tanner Groves and Chet Holmgren's commitments, the recent Nick Surge, and later Hank and Dichter will join the show to go over both of our top 10 NBA players of all time. So welcome in, everybody. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Hope that watching a lot of basketball deep into the NBA season now um, and deep into college to, to the NBA draft talks, players starting to declare. There's a ton of stuff going on right now across the basketball world, especially, especially the transfer portal too. So we'll first jump into some NCA headlines um, before we get to do anything. So we'll go over a few more names that have entered the NBA draft since the last episode. Um, Last episode, we saw some of the top guys all, uh, all I uh, decided to go. Um, most of the top guys, but we have two extra guys who are in the top three who declared today. Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga declared. Uh, he's ranked number two in my top 100. Uh, he's going to hire an agent. Obviously, everybody expected that. He's a freshman from Gonzaga. Um, one of the top point guards in this year's draft. Uh, so it's going to be, um, it's going to be very interesting. To see where that goes, and also Evan Mobley too, center from USC, is going to uh is enter the draft. And is going to hire an agent. Obviously, um, he's ranked third in my top one hundred. Uh, Say so a lot of people have him ranked second. Suggs ranked third. I have Suggs ranked second. Mobley ranked third. It's all going to depend on who gets all the draft picks. Honestly, because it can go, it can go either way. It can go. Whichever way possible, but they're officially in the draft. So, and then another potential first rounder that's entered the draft, Cam Thomas from LSU, point guard. He's ranked number 14 in my top 100. Uh, scoring point guard was a dynamic freshman this year, averaged about like 21 points a game. Uh, he had a great season, and he's going to, he declared for the draft, he's going to hire an agent. And then a few second rounders too declared David Johnson from Louisville. Um, Uh, He's going to hire an agent. He's ranked number 41 on mine. He's shooting guard, good three-point shooter. Uh, He's a decent ball handler, good playmaker. Marcus Zagorowski from Creighton, star of this Creighton team over the last few years, he's going to hire an agent. He's ranked number 43 on mine. Uh, He's going to be a second rounder, could be a good bench piece for a lot of teams got some comments. Uh, Goldwire also transfers to Oklahoma. So as long, so as well as Tanner Groves, we also got Goldwire uh, transferring to Oklahoma, which is pretty big, which is pretty big. Um, so that's going to be, yeah, those are two interesting gets right there from Porter Moser. Um, so I think that's cool. And then we, then we got Andy Hopper jumping in. What's up, Andy? Uh, good friend of the show thoughts on Kofi declaring for the draft. I thought I'm telling you. I thought that I was hoping he was going to go back because I really don't see him being anything more than like than a, a mid to late second round pick. He's got he's got so much potential, but he still had a lot to prove in college. I want to say work on his footwork, work on his stamina. Uh, that was a big problem in the tournament, so I think that that's going to be an issue. Uh, that a lot of teams are going to look at. You know, it all depends on how he does in the combine, though. I think, but I thought he should have uh, he should have definitely stayed. And also, where do you see Io move going now? Going to be a little biased. Going to be a little biased, but I hope the Knicks get him because not only um, am I going is, is he my favorite player in college basketball, but I just want to, uh, I want to see him on the Knicks. He's the kind of player that we need. Uh, Quickly is kind of like that though too. Um, they, you know, they usually. Um, they, it seems like the Knicks are going to go like in the mid first round or so. Um, especially when when they get, they're also going to have the Mavericks pick though too. It all really depends on what the seedings are, but it seems like they're going to get two mid first round picks. So hopefully. Um, Dazumus, I want him to go to the Knicks, but he'd be a great fit anywhere. I think he's going to be a tremendous player. Um, and wherever he goes, I'm buying a jersey ASAP. I'm buying a jersey too. We're both buying jerseys. I 100% am getting one immediately. I can't wait. As long as he's not on the Nets or the uh, Sixers or the Celtics, then I'll buy. Then I uh, buy his jersey. Maybe Lakers too. I don't really want a Lakers jersey. So I, as long as he doesn't go any with those places, I'll probably buy a jersey. But I love him, so maybe if he goes to the Sixers or the Lakers, I would still buy his jersey. But jumping back into the players tend to enter the NBA draft. Uh, Aaron Henry also declared for the draft. Small forward, three and D guy from Michigan State. Uh, he's a junior. He declared ranked number fifty two in my top one hundred. So he's and he's going to hire an agent, stay in Matthew Hurt, which was an interesting one power forward from duke he's gonna hire an agent he's ranked number 58 in my top 100 um he's a great scoring power forward great scoring big man can do a lot of different things um but but he had a he was a five-star recruited duke he had a terrible freshman year i mean not terrible but not great and he followed up with a great sophomore year this year and his draft stock hasn't really like gone up a ton he's not supposed to be a first rounder or anything but he thinks his time is up and you know it's all going to depend on how he does in the combine uh bones highland nashon highland from vcu point guard he declared for the draft he's going to hire an agent right number 66 in my top 100 a lot of people have him in second rounds and mock drafts um he's athletic point guard built for the nba great player great scorer. um I I like to see that. I like to see a lot of the mid-major guys and another mid-major guy, Santi Aldama, declared for the draft. He's ranked number sixty-nine on my top one hundred from Loyola and Maryland. He's a power forward, Uh, big scorer and rebounder. He's going to just test the waters, though. See, you know, probably play in the combine, see how it goes, and potentially return to Loyola or enter the transfer portal. You never know. But he's he's popped up in some second rounds too. So. It's going to be interesting to see it's going to be interesting to see and then joe wieskamp is going to test the waters too from iowa we've seen him in and out and then kofi Coburn, as I, as I said before is going to hire an agent and enter the draft so those are the most recent ones and you know the transfer portal has been non-stop there's no doubt about that and the the last two days have been big with the transfer portal as uh Tom Scavetta alluded to. Uh Goldwire just committed to Oklahoma. And another guy admit uh, committed to Oklahoma. And that's Tanner Groves, Eastern Washington star. Uh the Eastern Washington star announced he's going to join Porter Moser's squad at Oklahoma. Right. Porter Moser has, has taken over now for Oklahoma for Lon Kruger. Uh, he was loyal to Chicago's head coach. And uh um, he landed Tanner Gross, which was amazing. Tanner Gross, if you don't know him, he played for Eastern Washington this year. He was their star player. He had that 30-something point game in the first round of the tournament where they almost beat Kansas. Uh, that kind of put him on the map, and then he entered the transfer portal and got a lot of notoriety uh, from a bunch of different teams. He won Big Sky Player of the Year this year. He averaged 17.2 points, 8 rebounds, 1.3 is 1.1 blocks, and his breakout junior year, his first two years were nothing. Uh, Compared to this year, he broke out big time this year and he'll have two years of eligibility left because of the extra year. He's going to be senior this upcoming year, but we'll get an extra year because because of the extra year of eligibility and it's going to help the Sooners a ton. The, The Sooners losing Austin Reeves, Davion Harmon and Brady Manick Reeves and Harmon. Reeves is, was a senior going to go into the NBA draft. Harmon both declared for the NBA draft and entered the transfer portal and is getting a lot of attention from big time schools. And Brady Manick entered the transfer portal for his fifth year. And he committed, he committed to UNC uh, over this past weekend too. So going to be very interesting. Good replacement for Manick, big sky player of the year, 17 and eight. No doubt about that. Um, the He's a great player. I, you know, it was it was fun watching him in the tournament. Most people didn't know much about him. Um, there wasn't really much to know, honestly, because not too many, especially here on the East Coast, not too many people watch Eastern Washington basketball. But he, you know, he was he was a mid-major star, and you love to see that. Uh, he's got great size too. Like he'll he'll fit right in in Oklahoma, and he's a perfect kind of guy for Oklahoma's system too. Uh, for a Porter-Moser system, I should say, that he'll probably implement it, taking over Oklahoma. So that's going to be big. And then today, news came out that Chet Holmgren committed to Gonzaga. Uh, that's a huge headline, huge headline. He's the number one recruit in the ESPN uh, Top 100 for this year's high school class of 2021. He's a one center. with who's an amazing ball handler, great shot blocker, and efficient three-point shooter. And he's the early favorite to be the number one pick right now in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, he was the top prize basically uh, in this year's high school class. He was he narrowed it down. He was considering the G League for a bit and then ruled that out. Uh, it came down to Georgetown, Gonzaga, a few other schools too. And just like most people thought, he chose Gonzaga. He had ties to Gonzaga. He was he grew up playing with Jalen Suggs, who. Star freshman who's going to be a top pick in this year's draft from Gonzaga, and he played in high school with the Jalen Suggs. They're both from Minnesota, um, so he everyone thought that he would follow in Suggs' footsteps. Suggs is a year older than him uh, to and join Gonzaga. And Mark Few apparently had a great pitch. I was watching uh, his announcement today on ESPN, and it was very interesting. Um, he, you know, he likes the energy that Gonzaga puts out there, and just you know. Wanted to become a part of it. And for the first time ever, Gonzaga is going to have two five star recruits coming in next year. He's not only is Holmgren coming in, but Hunter Salas is coming in too, who's in the top 10 in the ESPN top 100. So they got those two coming in. You know, they're losing Ayayi, Kisbert, uh, and Suggs, but they're bringing in Salas. They're bringing in Holmgren. And Andrew, both Andrew Nemhard and Drew Timmy should both be back uh the andrew Nemhard is almost a guarantee to be back drew timmy we're kind of still waiting on to see if he's going to declare for the draft or not some mock drafts have him in the second round no one really has him in the first people it, speculation is he's going to come back but i really think that uh the that, that's going to be some dynamic two big guys right there big dynamic uh front court with both home granny and timmy like it's going to be scary, because and I think they'll they'll suit each other pretty well too, because Holmgren does some things that Timmy doesn't do. Uh, Homegren's a great three point shooter, great ball handler. Uh, that's why he's ranked number one because he literally does everything. He's seven foot one. You know, he's got He just needs to put on some weight. That's the that's the only knock on him. He's really thin, but as most high school seven footers are, very thin. You know, got to wait for him. You got to let him hit the gym. You know, completely finished puberty too, and, and he'll start getting up there. But, you know, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think they're going to mesh well together. Uh, he's going to handle the ball a little bit. Hunter Salas is a guard too. They'll have Andrew Nemhard back. They're going to be great again. You know, a lot of people in their top 25s have Gonzaga in the top five again. Um, most people don't have a, number, a preseason number one right now. Uh, we'll see if Timmy comes back. What people have, I mean UCLA is up there too, especially if UCLA brings everybody back, including Zhang. Uh, the It'll be it's going to be interesting to see. But Holmgren decided to go to Gonzaga, so I'm hyped to see him next year uh, play for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They got Hunter Salas coming in too. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, very interesting. Uh, Going to be a very interesting team. And, you know, this year was the best Gonzaga team I've ever seen. We'll see what this upcoming year's Gonzaga team will definitely do. So that's enough college basketball, enough NBA draft stuff for now. We're going to jump into NBA stuff. So we got Hank and Dichter coming on the show. He's going to come on in a few minutes. Uh, He's uh, um, he's going to talk top 10 all-time players. We got our ranks. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be something to look forward to, to everybody to stay tuned in for. But before we get to that, we got to talk about the New York Knicks. We got to talk about the New York Knicks. I got my Knicks sweatshirt on. It's great to be a Knicks fan right now. I'm telling you, I, this is an unbelievable time. Uh, The Knicks finally look like they have things together. Do they look like a competitive championship team? No, they don't. But, they look. They finally look like they're starting to form something legitimate. They are currently on a six-game winning streak. Uh, after beating the Pelicans in overtime yesterday, that was an amazing game too. Watch the entire game. Reggie Bullock hit a big three to send it to overtime, uh, and then uh, they ended up blowing them out of the water, basically in overtime. It wasn't even close, and. That the six-game winning streak, they were starting to fall out of it a bit. They were two games under 500. Now this six-game winning streak sends them to four games over 500. They're 31 and 27 right now. They're sixth in the East, and they're avoiding the play-in series right now, which is key because the play-in series is for the seven through ten seeds, and that's going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult to um uh for a a lot of different for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, you're going to have to win. It, it's a it's a weird setup that's difficult to explain you know the 7 plays the 8 if the 7 wins then 7 automatically gets the 7 seed then the loser of that game plays the winner of 9 versus 10 um and then the winner of that game gets the 8 seed so it's 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 a weird setup it's a really weird setup but like if you can avoid that it would be fantastic uh to do that as you know the, to get an easy buy into the playoffs would be fantastic. You know, if you're in the six right now, as, as they're sitting right now, they'll be playing the Milwaukee bucks, which is the third seed. Um, I really think that as long as the Knicks get a four or five seed, which means they'll play either the Hawks or the Celtics. Most likely they could even win a playoff series. They hundred percent could, they could beat the Hawks or the Celtics in a playoff series. I truly believe that, um, the Celtics have under underperformed all season long. Uh, they do have a very good team, but the Knicks grit might be too much for them. And Atlanta kind of surged late. They got off to a bad start, fired Lloyd Pierce, and then uh, Nate McMillan kind of resurged them, but they were supposed to be a good team. You know, after all the additions that they made during the off season, they ended up trading Rondo though, and got a Lou Williams. So gives them even more scoring than they already had, but the rest of the way is not very difficult either for the Knicks to try to lock up that 4 or 5 seed. Um, so If if they end up getting the 6, they'll probably play the Bucs, who seems like they're going to be the 3 seed. seems like the Nets or the Sixers, or one of them is going to be the 1 seed. Sixers most likely will be the 1 seed, and that's most likely be the 2 seed, as the way things are going right now. Um, and any of those games will be difficult to win, but I really think if the Knicks get a 4 or 5 seed, and play the Celtics or play the Hawks, they could win a playoff series and and face off against probably the number one seed Sixers, which they might not have a chance against. But if they can play anyone besides the Bucks, Sixers, or Nets in the first round, they have a sh- they have a shot of winning the of winning the series. They're just as good, if not better, than everyone else in the Eastern Conference besides uh, the Bucs, Sixers, and Nets. I think the the only the only question is, um. You know leaving that are they better than the Celtics are they better than the Hawks uh you know you can definitely debate that it's they're they're up there so they basically so the rest of the way is not too difficult they got a five they got an upcoming five game homestand they take on the Hornets Hawks Raptors Suns and Bulls for these five games and then they head out west for a five game road trip they haven't you know done their western road trip yet this season so they're going to do that they take on they stop in texas first they're going to take on houston the uh the rockets which should be a pretty easy win the rockets have stunk this year um a six game road trip i should say actually uh then they then they go and take on memphis who's a decent team denver they they go to play in denver very good team go to play in phoenix very good team and then they take on the two la teams the clippers and lakers two very good teams so that's going to be a rough four game stretch away and then to end the season, they come home for another for a three-game homestand. to end it. They take on the Spurs, which could be a pretty easy game. They take on the Hornets again and then they take on the Celtics. So they got some easy games and they got some kind of difficult games. We'll see if LeBron and Anthony Davis are even available for the for when they play the Lakers. They should be since that'll be the very, very end of the season, but we'll see. Um, that'll be with only four games left. But the this upcoming homestand is huge, they could win four or five. I think in this upcoming homestand they guys they take on the Hornets, Hawks, Raptors, Suns and Bulls. You know, the Hornets, Haw- the Hornets, Raptors and Bulls are all games that they're easily the favorites. So that's 3 out of 5 right there. The Hawks and Suns are going to be the two difficult ones. The Hawks are ahead of them in the East right now and that could be a huge game though too. Because that could be a huge game to, to figure out their seeding too because I uh, I think that it might, it's going to be very close. And if they could win that game, they might end up uh, getting a nod up if they even finish tied with the Hawks to possibly get a four or five seed. And then the Suns are a difficult matchup. They haven't played the Suns at all yet this year. So they're playing the Suns at home. And then they go to Phoenix to end the season. So that's, that. I think that's the only team that they haven't played at all this season. Uh, they got Charlotte twice, too, now down the stretch, but they've played Charlotte. Um, before this will just be two of the three games that they have against charlotte uh so that's what i think is going to happen for this season and now here's my plan for the future for the Knicks. i'm going to give you a quick little rundown of what i think is going to happen uh you know this year is going to be great they're going to make the playoffs we know that hopefully they don't get a play in um maybe win a series It'll be great. They're not going to be a, a true contender, but how do they approach next season? They're going to try to build on that. Um, first thing that you got to do is extend Nerland's Noel. Uh, he's having a career year. He's a valuable piece to this team, an elite defender, averaging two blocks a game. He's been amazing this entire season. And him and Mitch being the two centers would be fantastic for the future. And I feel like he's finally putting it together. He's not—he's not old either. You know, he's still in his twenties let's let's lock him up give him a two or three year deal to come off the bench. We can play around a little bit too because we got a lot of money free it up. Uh, Reggie Bullock is the next guy I would extend because Reggie Bullock has been a huge part of uh, this entire team's image. great defender, knockdown three-point shooter. He's a valuable piece. I would extend him for maybe like two years or something like that after this year because he'll be a free agent. and then Julius Randall uh, still has a year left on his con, on his 3 year deal that he signed but i i would just i would give him a long term deal this off season the, this is the piece you got to build around this is your star player Julius Randle um this is your what we thought Porzingis was going to be it turned out even better um glad that Porzingis is gone honestly because uh you know it's amazing think about 2 years ago the, the how crazy that would sound if i said that but Julius Randle is our star and he is the piece we have to build around for the future and no better way to do that than to give him big contract is obviously to give him a three, four year extension. I uh, don't even worry about it's just playing out his contract year next season and then worrying about it, and letting him hit the market. Uh, and then if Derek Rose and Taj Gibson want to return two of them, you know, Derek Rose has stated that he's considering retiring after the year. Taj Gibson's up there in age. You know, he was potentially going to retire this year until the Knicks came calling. Um, he Derek Rose and Taj Gibson are Tom Thibodeau's guys, he loves them. Uh, and that's one big thing about Thibodeau is he's loyal to the guys he loves. And Rose and Gibson, I, I can guarantee you right now, if Rose and Gibson want to play in in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, there's going to be two spots on the Knicks for the two of them. There, Thibodeau is going to find a way to get the two of them, and I completely agree. With, and I completely agree with it because Derrick Rose has been a key piece to uh, to us. It was a great trade. Uh, ended up getting rid of Dennis Smith Jr., who was nothing, who didn't help us at all. Derrick Rose is uh, has been a key piece. He's a veteran player. You know, he's not the star that he used to be. Not he's not the MVP Derrick Rose anymore. But he's a he's a very solid point guard still, and He's been a key piece to helping us you know, go on the winning streak that we have. And Taj Gibson stepped up big time too. Taj Gibson uh, with Mitchell Robinson down in No Orleans Noel has been the starting center, and Taj Gibson has slotted in as the backup center and has done great. It uh, gives you good bruiser minutes, so I would extend them. And then as far as letting guys walk, uh, Alfred Payton, Kevin Knox, and Frank Nilakina, I would all love walk. Uh, sadly, the Frank Nilakina experiment didn't, didn't work out. Sadly, the Kevin Knox experiment didn't work out. You know, those are those are two guys that there's no room on the team for anymore. Uh, you know, wish them the best. If Nilaquina, you know, the only one I would consider signing back is possibly nilakina to be, you know, a third string point guard or something like that. If he takes like the veteran minimum, uh, he'll be a free agent anyway i i don't know who's gonna offer him what and alfred payton i would definitely love walk because i think alfred payton could get decent money for another team especially because he he still can't shoot but he's a valuable defensive point guard and you know a lot of teams could use him off the bench so the so that's my approach on the knicks and you know i i think they're doing great whether regardless of whether they win a series or not um I'm just excited to watch some playoff Knicks basketball, even if they're in the play It's it's going to be great. Um, hopefully, they end off the season on a high note. I really want one of those four or five seeds because that would be huge. That would make it even more competitive. Uh, the New York just announced today, though, too, that uh, Madison Square Garden for playoff time will go from ten percent to twenty-five percent for uh, I believe for the Knicks, the Nets, the Rangers, uh, all indoor stadiums i believe goes from 10 to 25 so that's that's huge for us new york fans i uh, get you know possibly get to go to those games will be a little easier getting tickets too might not be as expensive but you know how the guard rolls so with that being said we'll bring in our special guest. we got hank and dichter coming on the show tonight to uh talk some classic nba basketball
0: so hank how we doing I'm pretty good. I'd be doing a little bit better if a certain pinstripe team could hit, but you no, know, it's what it is. I, I
1: feel okay. you. I feel you. The Mets have been doing well, though. The <laughs> Mets have been doing well. I'll tell you. Rub it in, why don't you? No, I'm, yeah,
0: I'm just messing.
1: <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So, Hank, we're here to talk about some throwback hoops. We're going to talk about some, we're going to reveal our top 10 players of all time. Uh, back last year, on my blog, I released my top fifty players of all time. Hank's read through it. Hank is fully aware of it. Anybody else who wants to, uh, wants to check it out, can check it out on my blog site. Um, but I'll reveal my top ten. It'll be the same as I published last year. Really, won't change very much. But we'll see Hank's top ten too, which is going to be, which is going to be very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I I think I might have the same players that you did. I don't remember off the top of my head what your list was, but. At the very least, I think you know where certain players are for me because we've talked we've talked about a lot of these guys in the past. So I'm pretty excited.
1: Oh, definitely, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm anticipating that. We, I I know one spot that we have the exact same one on, and oh, that, that's you. going to be good. But I want I want to see what your other ones are, which yeah. that which will be interesting to see. So, without further ado, we'll jump right into our top tens of all time. So first, Hank you want to do the honors of your top 10 for of your number 10 first.
0: Yes. With number 10, this was actually a really hard choice because I had to fight off like multiple legends for that spot who easily could have been on like any other, any other basketball fans list. Like for instance, I wanted to put Oscar Robertson on there and I wanted to put Jerry West, Elgin Baylor and Bill Russell on there. But unfortunately based on the way this NBA was at that time, I just couldn't put them there. And the guy who I did put in at number 10, Hakeem the dream. I just think it makes too much sense. I don't know how you can leave that guy, guy off. He was one of the most dominant centers in NBA history and in the eighties and nineties. And Hey, that guy won a finals or two. And you know, one of the things that begs the question is would Jordan have won that finals against the Rockets? Had he not taken that little sabbatical from basketball I personally think he I think he probably still would have, but would it have been easy? Oh, heck no. Hakeem, you have to remember, in none of Michael Jordan's finals appearance, I don't think he really went up against the top center. No?
1: No. Yeah, he never in any of his finals appearances? No, I
0: don't think so. I think the only center that he really struggled with in a playoff series is a guy who I'll be mentioning soon enough that's like a few spots ahead.
1: Yeah, there, there's not. I mean, Carl Malone was a power forward. You know, yeah. he, he, he was up against some big men, Charles Barkley too. But uh, he, but never any centers. So we got a let's go Knicks from Nick, and we got Tom <laughs> Scavetta. We got a preview previews on Tom Scavetta. This is a good way to get Hank's mind off the AL worst Yankees. It's true. It's true. Hey, at least I got the Rangers. That's true. Exactly.
0: We got a exactly. bright, future. but just like another MSG team, we got a bright future too exactly exactly
1: the knicks and the rangers are doing well right now this is a great time to be a new york fan unless you're a yankees fan but we well we'll we'll wait and see about the yankees though it's only 15 games so my number 10 i agree with you hank i got hakeem the dream at number 10 um you got to include him i just like you, uh, Bill Russell didn't make my top ten. He's ranked at number eleven. Oscar Robertson, I wanted to consider, but he didn't make it. Jerry West didn't make it. Elgin Baylor didn't make it. Uh, John Stockton, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry—they're all in my ten to twenty range, yeah. but none of them made my top ten. But Hakeem the Dream made it. You know, there's no way you can—you know—if it wasn't for MJ's uh, little retirement, he might not have won a ring. But he ended up winning two rings, and he won two Finals MVPs from it. He won one NBA MVP, and then was a 12-time All Star, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, two-time Rebounding Leader, three-time Blocks Leader, five-time All Defensive First Team, six-time All NBA First Team. Uh, he was an amazing player, Hakeem, for the Houston Rockets, and uh, you got to include him in the top ten, I oh. think. Uh, he's got he's got a permanent spot in there, and that's that's one that we agree on. So, Hank, what's your number nine?
0: Number nine is another guy who played in the same era as some of the other guys that I previously previously just mentioned. But considering the way the NBA was, and considering this is a guy that set the golden standard, the guy who scored a hundred points in a game, I don't even think I need to explain further who it is. Wilt the Stilt, Wilt Chamberlain.
1: Number nine, I got Will Chamberlain, too, at number nine. He
0: cannot be off of anybody's top 10 NBA players of all time list. I don't care what they say. The guy was just a freak of nature. Like, I've heard many stories about how, how great he was, like, athletically. But, like, obviously the one that speaks for itself was the, is the 100-point game against the Knicks March of 19 – I think it was March or February of 1962 at Hershey – at in Hershey, Pennsylvania, actually. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Game that was not televised, believe it or not. The hundred you know, point game
1: Yeah, the hundred point game. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That was March second, nineteen sixty two.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's-, that's exactly the game I'm talking about. And he also, when he went on to the Sixers, he had that dominant nineteen sixty seven season where he led them to an MVP. And I think that was the only time he be- ever beat Bill Russell in the playoff.
1: Yeah. No, he was amazing, and. There's no doubt about that, and you know you can argue with the era he played in, but the, he just put up some ridiculous stats. They're like 31, he, 31,419 points is seventh all time now, but at the time of his retirement was first all time. Uh, he averaged thirty point one points a game for his career, which is second all time behind uh, a certain a certain player that may or not be may or may not be our number ones. Um, he averaged, and he also averaged 22.9 rebounds a game, which is first all time. He was ridiculous. Uh, he was a four time MVP, two time champion, won a ring, both with the Sixers and the Lakers, 13 time all-star seven time all NBA first team, seven time scoring champion, 11 time rebounding leader. And what one, and what some people don't know is he was a one-time NBA assist leader too. Led the league in assist one season. Which, was, which is pretty amazing. Um, he led the league in both rebounds and assists in 1968 for the 76ers. So you, you got to put Wilt on there. Uh, dude's a legend. He was the original big man, and he also set the standard for the greats, for all of the greats. Um, so so that's that's got to be my number nine too. Now who's your number eight?
0: Um, if I may, I'm going to do eight and seven right next to each other. Cause these yeah, guys, number eight, Shaquille O'Neal, one of the most dominant big men in the history of the game, the big Aristotle, as they called him, uh, one of the most dominating seasons you ever see look up 2000. He, he was insane. That was actually, I think that was the first of the three Laker finals in a row, by far one of the best big men of all time. I think he's probably the second or third best big man I have on this list too. So it tells you how good they were. And number seven, I said, teammates, I think I pretty much gave away who that is. Kobe Bean Bryant. Why not? The late great number 24, rest in peace. Missed the guy already. You know, it's, it's amazing. One of the things that's always compelled me about Kobe. I've never seen a guy grow so much over the course of his career than Kobe Bryant. Cause like one, when I started watching was was 2004 finals when they got like destroyed by the Detroit Pistons and there was also a certain incident which I don't really want to dive into full detail about that happened but yeah. after that you had the whole drama between him and Shaq with Kobe giving the Lakers the ultimate made him that was either me or him and then over the course of the next few seasons Kobe would put up amazing numbers like who can forget that 81 point game against the Toronto Raptors January 22nd 2006 yeah. that that highlight by Stuart Scott, I never get t- tired of watching. It's unreal. Shows you just how good he was. And then when he had, when the chips were down and his legacy was on the line, he beat the big three Celtics a few years after they had like, beat him and given him a bit of a slice of humble pie in 2008. And I think it's crazy to think about now, considering all we've heard about him, but it really is one of those moments that like defined his legacy. And I think it's it's amazing how how differently we look at him if, had they lost that finals.
1: No, definitely. I I think those are two good ones right back to back. And you know, an earlier episode of the show, I ranked on the one year anniversary of Kobe's death. I ranked my top five uh, favorite Kobe moments, and one of them was as you alluded to the, the entire two thousand six season. I mean, the guy to the oh five oh six season, he had nothing around him. Led him to led them to the playoffs for a seven seed uh averaged 35 points a game didn't even win mvp uh it was it was it was absolutely incredible and that was one thing that um really sparked his legacy i think and really proved that he didn't need Shaq to to win all those rings and for my number eight i have kobe uh you have him at number seven i have him at number eight um he you know he's kobe bryant there's not yeah. too much to not not too much more to say. You know, five time NBA champion. He, uh, you know, started his career, won that three peed with the, with Shaq. Uh, you know, had all that drama. Shaq ended up leaving, went to mm-hmm. the Heat, got traded to the Heat. And I really think in the mid two thousands is when Kobe defined his legacy and people fell in love with him because he proved that he's the star of a team. You know, a lot of people thought he could be like second fiddle to uh, to Shaq when they won championships, but he absolutely shined, and his true shining moment was when he beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals. I think that was the greatest championship that he won out of five. The other one against the Magic, them that Magic team wasn't amazing, but you also look at that Lakers team wasn't amazing either. And then when they beat the Big Three Celtics in the finals, that was that was Kobe Bryant at his peak right there, and that was, um, that was just amazing. Amazing, amazing Tom.
0: He had Smush Parker as his teammate in 2006, and I think he also had Kwame Brown. That tells you something about how bad the Lakers were that year.
1: Oh no, exactly. They they um uh
0: they were terrible. They were absolutely horrible. It was, and they almost won a playoff series too. They were up three to one. The Suns came back.
1: No, exactly. They they were just they were just so incompetent for a while the entire lakers franchise after after shaq left and it wasn't until they got Pau gasol and i mean even those two championship teams they weren't amazing like they they were good but uh kobe was a star and he was probably the best player in the nba at that time and that's why they were what they were so since you just so that was my number eight and since you um said you're number seven my number seven going back to the eighties with Larry bird, Larry birds, my number seven, um, greatest Celtic of all time. You know, there's, he won three NBA championships played from 1979 to 1992, had a relatively short career due to injuries. Um, was a three-time NBA champion, three-time NBA MVP. He won three straight MVPs. Uh, nobody's been able to do that since 84, 85, 86, 12 time NBA all-star nine time, all NBA first team, uh, rookie of the year, 2 time 50-40 90 club, 3 time 3 point champion. Uh he was a stud. He was a star. Larry Bird and he was he was really an innovator of the game. Is one is one thing that I uh, I loved about him and one reason why he's in my top 10 is he really he became the uh he he was one of the highest IQ players of all time. That's really that was really the key. Um, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't ridiculously athletic, but he was just a smart player. He could handle the ball. He could shoot. He could pass. You know, he could do just about everything. And he was just hard nosed too. And was a big time player. Showed up in big moments. Um, he was just an all around star. And you know, he's got to be in anybody's top ten. What he did for the game was amazing. He's the greatest Celtic of all time. That that with their rich history too, is you know. Is pretty impressive. So he's ranked at number seven for me. So Hank, who do you got at number six?
0: So first of all, before we go there, I do have Larry Bird on my list, but you'll see him soon. Uh, number six for me is Tim Duncan. This guy was one of the best power forwards I ever saw. And honestly, he's one of my favorite all-time basketball players. He was, he, the Spurs were a model of consistency pretty much in the NBA that we grew up watching. Like you could always count on them being dominant every year in the playoffs. And a big reason for that, obviously, besides Coach Pop, who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest coaches of all time, I would say Tim Duncan is a big reason for that. He carried, like, two or three of those. Well, he carried a lot of those Spurs teams to the finals. And the first yeah. the first two, I think he had an aging admiral on that team. And did Sherry really shows you something. The Spurs were great. Big reason because Tim Duncan. And honestly, I, to tell you the truth, I don't really remember too many moments where he had, like, a bad game or at a – choking like performance in the playoffs.
1: No, that's exactly it. I uh, Tim Duncan's got to be in your top 10. Mm-hmm. Um he is ahead of Kobe Bryant in my opinion as 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 you have him too. I have him at number 6 as well. Um he was in our light he wasn't a flashy player and he played in San Antonio so he didn't play he didn't have the luxury of playing in Los Angeles, but he was a stud and he's probably the best power forward of all time. Um, he is, he was an amazing player. He was just efficient, did it for so long too. um, helped lead that Spurs dynasty. It was him and Greg Popovich are the two, two people you can thank for those five championships that the Spurs got, you know, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Bruce Bowen, uh, Kawhi Leonard for a year. They were all, they were all additional factors, but Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich were the faces of those five those five teams, an amazing head coach and a star top 10 player of all time. Uh, you know, he was five time NBA champion, won two MVPs, one back to back in 2002 and 2003. He's seventh all time in rebounds with 15,091. And he's sixth all time with blocks, 3,020. Um, And he, one of the, one of the best defensive players of all time too. He made 15 all defensive teams, eight first teams, seven second teams, Ten-time all All NBA first team. You know anybody who grew up watching basketball throughout the two thousands knows all about Tim Duncan. Uh, he was a stud, and he's he's in my top ten. I I have him. I have him ranked. You know, it's kind of an unpopular opinion to have him ranked ahead of Kobe, and for a lot of people, um, but I think that his entire dominance of the game and his you know what he did for the game kind of like exceeds Kobe in a way. Um, and also his his efficiency too. You know, he never was he never was carried by anybody else. Um, you know, he never had like a shack to play with or any of the or any of those and he had the Spurs and the Spurs were his team and you know, he had pieces that they built around him and they just played good basketball and that's how they won. They played great defense. They played um and they were just, they came up in the big moments. That's how they were That's how they were able to be so dominant.
0: Yeah, that's why I always really admired the Spurs and like would sometimes in the past, like whenever they'd make a deep run, I'd root for them a lot. They just were such yeah. a good, fundamentally sound team. Real, Really hard for me to dislike them, or really hard for, for anyone to really dislike the Spurs at all. I think for the reasons that you alluded to. And you know what I find hard to believe? I still can't believe the Spurs during that era never won a 3 they came close multiple times. Like 2006 against Dallas, they should have won that series. I think yeah. I think had the Spurs made it to the finals against Miami, I think they might have won that against a Shaq who was kind of just exiting his prime at a young D-weight. I think they probably would have done better against Miami than Dallas did. And, and Dallas is up to nothing that series, if you don't remember. And then there was also 2013-14. 2013, don't even get me started, the Heat late – the heat the Spurs should have won that series they yeah they choked that one big time and then 2012 I thought they should have beaten the Oklahoma City Thunder for sure the Thunder I know the Thunder were like young but I thought the Spurs were like the really good team coming out of the West and I was really surprised when they lost that one but that was also when you kind of knew how good KD was going to be but then again I'm going off a little tangent it just goes the fact that the Spurs had so many should have won moments tells you how amazing they were even with all the five titles
1: exactly no it's true and they could have had even more than that so that's 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 the big thing so hank who's your number five
0: number five is a guy that you already mentioned gotta go with the guy with the blonde locks from french lick indiana larry bird i mean what more is there that you said that that i can't really say the guy was one of the most clutch players in the history of the nba i mean i want to tell you one of my favorite stories about larry bird first of all there was a game in 1985, I think that was an MVP season, he he had like 56 points and one of his teammates, jo- I think either jokingly or or seriously told him, you didn't really score enough, and then a few days later, he goes up in a game against the Atlanta Hawks, they, he scores 60 on them, and the Hawks are like standing up with admiration, and then if you know, I don't know if you know about the 1981 series that they beat the Sixers, they're down three games to one. Game seven, it's tied at 89. He hits that epic left-handed bank shot to give the Celtics the lead, and I think that secured the win for them. That was the first signature moment of Larry Bird's career. And then, of course, there was his dominance against the Lakers in the 84 finals. I think he really definitely carried that team. And 86 was one of those seasons where I think you could probably make the case that that should have been the first unanimous MVP before. I think it was Steph Curry that won the first unanimous MVP 30 years later. But that was one of those seasons, along with, yeah. the Shaq 2000 season that I just mentioned where he could have won a M- unanimous MVP. And then not to mention the Lakers feared, feared this guy. He was a trash talker. Like like you said, he was very intellect. he was intellectual too. And one of my other favorite stories too, was there was that famous game. I think it was game four, the 87 series. They went, the Celtics had a big lead, but then the Lakers were clawing back and then the Lakers like took the lead late in the th- fourth quarter. But then, the Celtics also knew that Larry Bird was, like, deadly at the three-pointer. I mean, it explains why he won the first three three-point shooting contests in a row, right? Yeah, exactly. So Larry Bird gets the ball. He shoots it, and it's about as good of a shot as you can get. This is right at the end of that game. And I'll, I'll talk about that game later when I get to Magic Johnson. But it's one of the best three-point shots you'll, you'll ever see. It's a beautiful rainbow, but it just bangs right off the inside of the rim and out. And keep in mind, this is a shot that he just missed. James Worthy said that that shot gives him nightmares because the Celtics almost won that game and came back. And remember those two teams were hated each other with a burning passion. So that that's one of my favorite stories to give you an idea of how good Larry Bird was. And then there was also a time where he told a guy, Merry Christmas after having dropping like 20 something points on him, <laughs> even though yep. it is. I mean, I wish that he, that's one of those guys who you wish was healthy throughout his whole career, but even, even so, he was still very impressive and definitely deserves to be. Definitely has a place on my top five for sure.
1: Yeah, he's who he was an underrated trash talker. That's what all the legends say. Um, he's probably one of the best trash talkers in NBA history, up there with Jordan. But they, I like that at number five. Number five, I got somebody you already mentioned, the Big Aristotle. I got Shaq. I have him ranked pretty high, higher than a lot of other people. I mainly because of his dominance. He was a freak. Like you know, I grew. We grew up watching him. We had the pleasure to grow up watching him. Uh, I saw a lit. I you know, I saw a little bit of the end of his Lakers career, most of the his Heat career, and then later on when he was jumped around with the Cavs and all of them. But you know, I remember that two thousand six season when he won the championship. Uh, he was a freak. You know, he just. He could, he got up and down the court with ease. You know, somebody at his size had amazing footwork, was just absolutely dominant. And no one really had an answer for him either. There was nobody who could m- match up with him. And there was no one who matched his size who could really guard him. Um, he was a transcendent player. And he ended up winning four championships, won one MVP, 15 time All Star, uh, eight time All NBA first team. And, uh, Two time scoring champion too. He won a scoring championship with, in nineteen ninety five with Orlando, in two thousand with the Lakers, winning one MVP that season. Um, he's sixth all time in field goal percentage at fifty eight point two percent for his career, which is amazing. Tenth all time in points, and ninth all time in blocks. He's, aver- he's averages twenty three point seven points and ten point nine 10.9 rebounds per game for his career. Um, you know, you you alluded to most of it, but he's uh, he was. Amazing. So number four. You know,
0: um, before you get there, one of the other things I didn't mention about Shaq, he also, I think, was one of the very few players to win a series against my prime Michael Jordan, too. So mm-hmm. I think that has to count for something. And believe me, we will be talking a lot about his airness very soon. But just wanted to put that out there. That's true. That's true. So number four, who do you have, Hank? Number four. Once again, this is one where I have to do a two for here for three and four go right ahead i know I, I i have a feeling this is where like we're pretty, we're pretty similar i don't know where you have yours but these two are pretty cha- interchangeable these guys are teammates for what was probably one of the greatest dynasties in the nba history i'm talking of course about the showtime lakers got to go with uh magic and kareem at um i think i have yeah i have magic at 4 and kareem at 3 magic was one of the best at assists of all time. Actually, I think he was the one, probably the best point guard of all time. He was an unreal. Great guy to have on the floor. And then Kareem, what more can I say about Kareem? He played for 20 seasons by far the most dominant big man of all time. And that, and how do you guard that skyhook man? Like with, I don't, you can make an, a case for one of them over the other to be to have been the leader on those laker team and i, I think both cases would be very strong
1: i like that i like those two, i like that 3 and 4 right there um i've got a similar one i got kareem at 4 you can't block, you can't you can't beat the skyhook he was transcendent best center yep. of all time uh he was amazing he, he won six championships six final, six mvps um, he's really he's the only one, only star that's able to match Michael Jordan's six NBA championships. Nineteen um, time All Star, and the big thing about him too was his, was how long he played too, from nineteen sixty nine to nineteen eighty nine. I mean he uh, he, he was played in his 40s when he finished. What was that? He was in his forties when he finished. No, he was, he was in his forties and he was still effective too, to a degree. And then eventually injuries took over. Uh, you know he's still first all time in points fourth all-time in rebounds, third all-time in blocks and second all-time in games played. Uh yeah, he was he was a workhorse. There's um, no doubt about that. You know, any any big NBA fan knows the the truth about Kareem and how amazing he was. Um and you have to have him in the top 5. I I got him at number 4 and then my number 3 um is Magic Johnson, just like yours. Um you know, I think Magic is the best point guard of all time. Where one one reason why I have him ranked so high, even though you know he had a career that cut short, is because of the amount that he uh, achieved in such a short period of time was absolutely amazing. Five championships. He only played from seventy nine to ninety one, and then that brief stint when he came back in ninety six. But uh, he won five championships, three MVPs, was a twelve time All Star was an all-star basically every season, four-time assist leader two-time steals leader, first all-time in assists per game, uh fifth all-time in assists. And he did not play that long. He only played 13 seasons. Uh 13 complete seasons basically. And he he was a he was a transcendent figure. You know, he was um the real first ever point forward. He was a six nine point guard, ridiculous ball handler, flashy passes. He was the heart and soul of that Showtime Lakers team, some of the best teams we ever, ever seen in NBA history back in the eighties. Uh he you know, he's he was amazing. And I think if he played the career of of, you know, the average NBA stud, you know, like a fifteen year career or something like that, you know, he might be in the conversation with Jordan. You definitely could have that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Magic Johnson, there's so many great signature games with him, too. I think the first one that comes to mind would be he even even played center once. I think you probably know the story. Kareem couldn't, Kareem hurt his ankle in game five, and for some reason he was unable to make the trip to Philadelphia for game six. So Paul Westhead, who not too many people know, was the coach of the Lakers that year and won the finals.
1: Yeah, before he went to Royal Amerimount.
0: Yes, he, um, ironically, Magic ended up getting him fired like a year or year two yeah. later. He basically inserted Magic at center. He had a good game plan, and Magic like, dropped 42 on the Sixers. That was his rookie year. They won the finals. And from there, I think it pretty much established the Lakers as a force throughout the whole decade. And yeah. he ended up becoming the first Laker to win a finals against the Celtics, which remember, as that had been a big gloom over the Lakers, because for so long they had lost them in the 60s. 84 finals, they lost a heartbreaker in seven. And that was a series that many, many people in LA say that they'll say the Lakers should have won. But then of course there are people in Boston say the the opposite for 85, but we'll show you how good those two were. And then 1987, Magic Johnson, that was when he really became the leader of the Lakers. And I think that was probably his best season. That was his first MVP season. And that was when he truly became the leader because by that point, Kareem obviously was winding down in a long career. And I think, you could even make the case that the 87 Lakers are by far the best team of all time. I know Bill Simmons has them number three and I, I, it's, it's a very valid argument for sure. The Lakers were just dominant and it's no surprise that they became the first team since the late '60s Celtics to win back to back, believe it or not.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. You know, it's amazing to think of Kareem and Magic Johnson on the same team for all those years, uh, two top five players of all time in our opinions Uh You know, just heroic stories, amazing careers. It they they were spectacular. They were unbelievable. Um, and you know, they have to be in anybody's top five, I think.
0: So Hank, who do you have a number two? You know, I didn't really want to put this guy too high because I think you you know I'm not the biggest fan of this guy. However, neither am I. I can't deny how dominant and how talented he was. I mean some people will make the argument that he's the most talented player of all time. But with that being said, he has had so many signature performances in our lifetime. Like as far back to 2007, you remember that series where he beat the Pistons and the Pistons were like one of the best teams? Like he carried a Cavs team that was like mediocre at best of the finals. Obviously, I'm talking about LeBron James and yep. say what you want about the decision with him going to Miami. I don't blame him as much as most people because Cleveland was not given really supporting him with a good amount of talent, but then joining Miami, then again, with that having been said, it's kind of surprising that he only won two with Miami considering, considering it was with Bosch and Wade. But with exactly. that having been said, I think that Miami was probably where you saw some of his best years and you know what? He made it up to Cleveland. He won, won that finals in 2016. The first, pretty much ending a half century of failure in Cleveland sports, not just the Cavaliers, obviously. Yeah. And I think really that was the series that say what you want about LeBron. After he won that, you could pretty much say, oh, he doesn't have too much left to prove. I think the only thing he's really fighting for is number one of greatest players of all time. And you exactly. know, it's funny. We said the same. we probably said the same thing about Kobe after he won the 2010 finals.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. And I have LeBron number two, too, which means we have the same number one uh, as expected, <laughs> obviously. But we're on the same page about that. We'll always have been. But, yeah, LeBron, you know, is amazing. He's not my number one, though. He's my number two. He, I know a lot of people love the debate of LeBron versus Jordan. Um, you know, I could go deep into depth about – you know every little aspect of why Jordan's better but i stand by that but lebron's better than every other player that's ever played besides michael jordan uh lebron is an amazing player you know whether you love him or hate him he's a transcendent player he's stayed healthy almost his entire career i say that as he's heard right now you know which is coincidental but he's had such an amazing career staying healthy coming out of high school he he was deemed Coming out of high school, he was deemed the next Michael Jordan, and he lived up to that as much as he could, basically. You know, he lived up to all the hype that was put on him from a young age. Yeah, He is is an incredible player, and he's the greatest player of my lifetime, of both of our lifetimes, for sure um he's done some incredible things you know his first stint in Cleveland he was still like a budding star when he went to Miami that was when everything changed um he obviously you know had got to play alongside Bosch and Wade and probably should have won four championships and not just two but he did become the player that he is today when he was in Miami he started breaking out and becoming a legitimate top three player in the league and then eventually became the best player in the league. And when he decided to go back to Cleveland, I thought it was such a classy move. Um, That was one of the big things that I liked when he decided to do that because, and because he felt like he owed them a championship, which he kind of did, you know, he, he left them and he, he did owe them a championship. It's his hometown too. He owed them at least a run, at least an attempt at it because after the way he left after the first stint and, you know, there's uh, out of his four championships, I could definitely argue that um, he was carried or helped a ton to a degree by other people, but in 2016, that's the one championship that I give him a ton of credit for because um, he should not have won that championship, and everything was against him. You know, it was up against the 73-9 Warriors, down three to one. Uh, He, you know, he should not have won that. Kyrie came up big, of course, but. he had some amazing moments in that game seven and that that was the grittiest championship win of all one of the grittiest championship wins of all time, honestly. So that was, that was impressive. And he's number two.
0: Yeah. And you know, what's funny is like, I think the first game that really tested him, the first big game that he won that really showed that helped his legacy was the 2012 conference finals against the Celtics. Cause if you remember, he went to the, to the Miami heat because they wanted, They it was really meant to compete against Celtics. Like the Celtics were the team that started the whole big three when they trade, when they uh, traded for uh, Ray Allen and KG and the Celtics were a force. And the fact that they only won one title, it's still crazy, but I'd still say that team was, it was an important one in NBA history for sure. And the fact that LeBron wanted to get his buddies just to try to beat them. That was, that was when it all started. And for him to have that performance, like, 'Cause can you imagine if they had lost that series? Like LeBron would would wow. have been the biggest choker of all time had they lost in Feld. I feel like that series doesn't get talked about enough talk about enough. And then 2013, yes, I, I will agree Ray Allen did have that clutch shot. Yeah, he was probably being carried, but I also think that's a half truth because he had an important performance just to put the Heat even in the position to come back in the first place. So true.
1: It's definitely true. It was up against a tough Spurs team too. Again,
0: like I said, I'm not the biggest LeBron fan. I, I don't always like his antics. There are times where he can be the biggest traveling man since Ricky Nelson. But you know what? At LeBron is still dominant. And the 2016 Finals, like ag- again, you could even make the case that they probably should have won in 2015 too, because I think had Kevin Le- had Love and Kyrie been healthy, I think they probably. They probably win that year, and then again, I also think Golden State probably should have won the year after, so it all evens out. And at the end of the day, it was probably one of the biggest feel-good NBA championships of all time. So you got to give LeBron credit where credit is due, like him or hate him. He has to be number two, as much as much as I didn't necessarily want to put him that high.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. But that leaves us to number one. And number one is Mr. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Well, it's actually, it's funny because a year ago from today, I think a year ago from either today or yesterday or something is when the last dance. No, you're right. Today.
0: You're
1: a year ago from today. Yeah. Which was the best documentary series I've ever watched in my life. Um, I I think Hank could allude to that. I don't know if it's the best you've ever watched in your
0: entire life, but actually I agree with that. And I've seen like many sports documentary and, for me, I think it gets bonus points because it was one of the few things that kept me saying while I was locked up in quarantine.
1: That, that's true. See, that's why that's why it's big. That's always why it's going to hold a close a close space in my heart too. Because Michael Jordan loved Michael Jordan, and because you know that really helped us through quarantine. That was something big to look forward to when there was no sports on. But Michael Jordan is number one. Um, you know, you, 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 there's. We could be here for three, four hours talking about all the stories about Michael Jordan, but you know he was, he he's in a league of his own, in my opinion. Um, his mindset, his work ethic, his drive is just is absolutely incredible. Um, he was he's the greatest basketball player to ever play. He was absolutely insane. He did everything. Um, and he always found a way to win. That was the big thing. And he was a huge winner. Um, he was just a stud. Uh, you know, there's some, he, he was an insane athlete, kind of transcended the game. One of the first, there was a lot of above the rim players um, at his time, but he was one of the most dominant ones for sure, you know, he basically, he did everything. He wasn't the best three-point shooter, but if he needed a three, he would hit a three, you know, there's, it was one of those things, you know, and I always, I always think back at the jazz story too, you know, when the, uh, you know, was it the flu? Was it, was it bad pizza or whatever, but for him to get it for anybody to get a mindset, like think about how sick, um, you like you are if you have food food poisoning or something like that. For you to come back and play an NBA game the next day and not just do that, but to perform the way that he did it's just it's incredible. There's not too many people on earth that have that kind of mindset to do anything remotely close to that. And he was just he was insane. And he you know, if you watch the entire last dance, you get a real view of the kind of not only player he was, but the person he is though too oh
0: my gosh there's where do I even begin he might have been you know it's funny we talked about how Larry Bird was one of the greatest trash talkers of all time which he is but I think if there's anybody that tops that I mean it's got to be his airness now and you know it's funny that I should mention Larry Bird because I got to mention one of my what I think was one of his signature moments didn't even happen like during his championship reign 23-year-old Michael Jordan, April 1986, game two of the first round against the Celtics. Now, keep in mind, this is like when the Bulls were like an average to mediocre team. Like, you didn't even have Scottie Pippen yet, and you didn't even have Phil Jackson as your head coach. In fact, let me see if uh, you know this answer. Do you know who the head coach of the Bulls was that year?
1: Uh, Collins. Stan Albeck. Stan Olbeck would not have got that. Wait, what you're talking about 1986 85
0: 86. Yes, 85 86. Half the season because he was because he had a broken foot. Okay, okay, but anyways, he scores 63 points. And I don't care if this happened in double overtime that you had an extra two quarters to do it 63 points in a playoff game, which I believe is still an NBA record. Yep, against a team that Bill Simmons puts as number one. Which by the way, for the record, I don't agree with that pick that the he's,
1: a, he's a boston homer so
0: oh yeah no i there's a lot of bill simmons opinions that i can't just can't agree with but however i do think the 86 celtics are among one of the best of all time because they, they were just dominant like you had bird mikhail parish like no one was being that team the fact that michael jordan had that 63 point game against them the fact that even they even pushed him double overtime speaks volumes about how talented that michael jordan was and then, of course. My other favorite moment was he had 49 points in game one of the 92 finals. And you have this in your intro, actually. This was the famous.
1: Yep, the drunk. The-
0: only Michael Jordan could do that. He was just so dominant. And anytime he had that look in his eyes, like, it was bad news because everybody knew they were in trouble. And it only took the smallest of things to motivate Michael Jordan. He just had such a killer Mindset and not even just basketball. He had a pathological love for competition, just extremely competitive and extremely dominant. And, you know, it's funny. One of the biggest things I hate is when people go up to me and tell me, oh, Michael Jordan defended Plumbers. Yeah, that's Extreme. the worst argument.
1: You're not a basketball fan if you no.
0: really think that. You, you beat, he beat Clyde Drexler, he beat Charles Barkley, he beat. Stockton and Malone twice and the 96 Sonics nobody I mean I know that the Bulls that year won 72 games I, yeah I get it but nobody talks about how good that team was with Gary Payton they won 64 and they actually gave the bulls a bit of a scare they forced that series to six yeah. and they were down down three to two Michael Jordan beat so many teams I mean I mean you could even put the Knicks up there too yeah exactly and I didn't even get to Reggie Miller who I think Reggie Miller was one of the only three players that really forced a game seven against Michael Jordan believe it or not Yeah, he was And one more thing compared to LeBron James, do you know how many times Michael Jordan's teams were an underdog in like big series when he was in his prime?
1: I don't know. None. None.
0: You know why? Because of Jordan.
1: (laughs) Because of Jordan. That's I not surprised honestly like that that's exactly it. like the whole plumbers thing is ridiculous like you're not an actual you're well i'll call you out right now you're not an actual basketball fan if you think that jordan only played against plumbers like that's just it's a ridiculous like look at look at the body work look at the legends he played against uh look at that sonics team with gary Payton, uh sean kemp deadlift Schrempf. you know the these were good players uh, you can't just you can't just say like, oh, it's just because they look a certain way or something like, you know, had the short shorts and stuff, but that was the 90s style, you know, so they...
0: Uh, and that's a decade I wish I lived, I got to see more of or was old enough to really fully experience.
1: Honestly, same with me. Same with me, bro. I definitely do too. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network to watch another episode of the 3&D and to all those listening via podcasts, YouTube, etc., You can also follow me on Twitter where I'm very active at P underscore smooth underscore three. I also want to thank review and previews own Hank and Dictor for hopping on with me for our top tens. Hank, you have anything,
0: anything more to add? No, Paul. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And this was a fun little discussion.
1: Awesome. We'll definitely have you back on soon. Uh, Hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and stay tuned for more updates and brand new episodes coming every Monday at seven. um, Definitely without the uh, issues that we had at the beginning of this, this episode next time too. So have a great night, everyone.